Hi there. This is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Well, traditionally, during the third week of the season of Advent, what we're in right now, Christians will light the candle of joy. That reminds us that joy is much more than simply happiness or being jolly, but about what we're given in the birth of Jesus, who is our Emmanuel, God with us. Truly, at the heart of Christmas is joy. And that's the subject and the title of today's message, which continues our series of sermons for the Advent season. It's based on the story of Mary's joy from Luke 1, verses 39 through 56. Joy! At long last, joy! You know, I also got to tell you this morning that it's incredibly refreshing to feel this spirit of joy that's in this place this morning. I mean, not only is this pageant Sunday, which in and of itself is, is always filled with joy, but in terms of our Advent worship, friends, We've spent the last two Sundays dealing with really kind of somber themes of of hope and peace, both of which, though they do reflect God's sure and certain promises for what we and the world need the most, and so that is uplifting, nonetheless, those themes lead us to have to confess that neither we nor the world is there yet. But joy, joy is something different. Joy uh, is about the here and now. It's also about what's just about to come. Joy is about the uplifting celebration of the nativity, the nativity that is almost here. The time in which we will recall the birth of Jesus who comes to us as Emmanuel, the name that means God with us. Joy, you see, is about pausing for a moment amidst our Advent preparations, to rejoice in what it is we're preparing for. There is a reason that the candle that Chris lit this morning is pink, because that's a color that represents grace and beauty, rather than the purple candles that that do represent something akin to repentance. It's the same reason that even as back as, as the 5th century, when the season of Advent was thought of as a little Lent, a time of deep and solemn spiritual discipline, nonetheless, even then, the third Sunday was known as Gaudet Sunday, from the Latin, Gaudio, which means to rejoice and be glad. Because then, as now, this is a day that's meant for rejoicing. Rejoicing that Christmas, indeed, the Christ child, is coming soon and very soon. And when you combine all this with the fact that with just about a week to go now, almost everything all around us has reached a fever pitch in anticipation of Christmas, both the holiday and the holy day, it would seem like there should be an abundance of joy to be had right about now. And and most especially in these days in which we live, well, there should be. Of course, that said, 
I will admit that there is such a thing as an overabundance of joy. Actually, you know, it's worth pointing out here that our Puritan ancestors uh, who were essential to our congregational heritage and tradition, well, they pretty much looked down on the whole idea of Christmas celebration. To quote the Reverend Jonathan New, for the Puritans, quote, this festival of caroling, wassailing, and merrymaking exhibited what was referred to by the Puritans as an extreme forgetfulness of Christ because it gave liberty to carnal and sensual delights, unquote. Here's another little bit of trivia for you. The Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1659 even set an outright ban on Christmas celebrations. And it's, as they said, it's great dishonor of God and it's offense to others. Going so far as to find those who were caught actually observing Christmas five shillings each. If they were feasting, they were fined. If they were singing carols, they were fined. In other words, anything having to do with Christmas was considered a crime. You see, to these Puritan Christians of the 17th century, this season of the year was meant not to be about frivolity, but about great solemnity. Can you even imagine what our pilgrim forefather and foremothers would have thought of our Christmas revelries today? To say nothing of, of the commercialization and materialism that inevitably rears its ugly head this time of year? I don't even want to think about what those people would have thought of something like grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> but there you go. That's how things have changed. Joy came back onto the scene. And to quote Jonathan New once again, despite all the sentimentality and materialism, this is really what makes Christmas celebrations so irrepressible that neither fines, the law, nor even the threat of force could extinguish the joy that lay at its very heart. Yes, truly, joy is at the very heart of Christmas. And that's what we understand this sacred season, indeed our worship together, most especially this morning on this Godette slash pageant Sunday, to be all about. This is a season of joy. And as I said before, well, it should be. But that said, friends, I think that a very good question for us to be asking ourselves just about now is exactly what kind of joy are we talking about here? How is that joy to be measured? Well, let's unpack that a bit. To begin with, we're not talking about simply happiness or, or being jolly, because happiness can be, as I think most of us know, fleeting, and it can be fickle. And yes, while it may be the season to be jolly, the season eventually passes, and so do the fa-la-la-la-las that go along with it. Happiness is not the same as joy. 
any more than mere optimism is the same as hope, any more than intellectual belief ends up being the same as faith. There is much more to joy than just that. Likewise, joy can't be measured by the size of your bank account. It can't be measured by the number of possessions you have. Neither can it be assessed via the good stuff that's happened to you in your life or or even all the good stuff that's happening all around you. Ultimately, joy has really little, relatively little to do with what you've earned or achieved or created or for yourself. Indeed, joy is something much deeper. It's much more all-encompassing than that. In the end, true joy ends up being something that you don't create. It's something that you re- is received. And moreover, I would suggest to you this morning that joy is essentially something very spiritual in nature. True joy, you see. The joy that lay at the heart of Christmas is something received from the God who loves us and who promises to be with us no matter what. This is how the the late theologian, late great theologian, Henry Nouwen, could say that in the life of a God-centered person, sorrow and joy can exist together. That's based on the knowledge that we belong to God. And we have found in God our refuge and our safety and that nothing, not even death itself, can take God away from us. In other words, friends, so often you and I tend to equate joy with all the stuff that's going on on the outside. You know, our circumstances, our our fortunes, our prospects for the future. But but in fact, true joy can only be determined, not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. Most especially when what's on the inside comes from God. And when it's God in the inside, God is driving our hearts. And that's where true joy comes from. I think that's what I love about our text for this morning that Deb read to us from Luke's Gospel, which chronicles what happened immediately following Mary learning from the angel Gabriel that she was to give birth to the baby Jesus. But even more pointedly, regarding Mary's reaction to it all. You know, we actually had a, a, a very deep discussion about this at Wednesday's Bible study especially right after I asked a very loaded question I once asked of some children years ago. And by the way, this, friends, is why you should all be a part of our Wednesday Bible studies. Our discussions are great. But here was the question. What if Mary had said no? What if Mary had said no to the angel? Well, I'm here to tell you that the consensus of the group was that Mary would never say no. She wouldn't have said no to bearing the Son of God. And furthermore, she really wasn't given a choice in the matter. Angel Gabriel didn't say, what do you think, Mary? Would you like be willing to do this? It was, you are to bear a son. Well, perhaps not. But in fact, Mary did have a choice. 
as to how to respond to this unique, life-changing, and quite frankly, potentially scandalous situation in which she found herself. But Mary chose to respond by saying, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Mary chose to respond to the angel with joy. And the first thing that happens when Mary hears this news and the angel departs from her, Luke tells us that Mary set out and went with haste to the hill country so that she could be with her relative Elizabeth, who herself, in her old age, mind you, is most surprisingly also expecting a child, a child that would grow up to be John the Baptist. And when she gets there, it is a reunion that's filled with great joy, so much so that Luke tells us that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. I love that scene. This week, you know, I ran across a wonderful picture uh, online that depicted this scene. In fact, when we post this, I'm going to post that picture too. It, it is a picture that is everything that I would have imagined this scene to be. It shows that the two women are embracing, that they're smiling, that there's happy tears being shed. And, and this is the best part. They're feeling each other's bellies. They're, you know, uh, Mary wants to know if, if, if Elizabeth's baby is kicking yet. If this baby left in the womb, I want to feel that. Don't you love it? Two women in the midst of improbable, if not impossible situations, but nonetheless filled with great and overwhelming joy. And it's all because, you see, God was in the midst of what was happening. It's no wonder that according to Luke, the very next thing that Mary does is to sing. And not any old dirge like him either. It's my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's known as the Magnificat. Mary's song of praise. And it is very definitely a song of joy. True joy. And as it turns out, joy to the world. Because yes, thanks be to God in this child the Lord is come bringing his mercy and his love from generation to generation to generation. This part of the nativity story, you see, serves to remind us that the source of all of our joy is the God for whom all things are possible and who proves it by coming to us in the greatest gift of all, that of a Savior who is Jesus, our Emmanuel. It's a gift. It's a gift that none of us could ever hope to earn by virtue of who we are and what it is we do, but one that's freely given in graceful, infinite love for all we have to do to receive it with all of its joy. I said it before, and it bears repeating. In these days, the world needs this joy. The joy that lay at the heart of Christmas. We need it more than ever. Because this is what we are celebrating. God's amazing love. 
the promise of peace on earth and goodwill amongst all people, the hope that all of this will be fulfilled in God's good time and that his kingdom will come to fruition. All of this and so much more is reason for rejoicing. And as we bask in the glow of a Christmas pageant, as we come together in fellowship, as we pray and worship and set forth on all of our celebrations this week, it is good that we open ourselves to that true joy and to do so not only in this season, but always. So go forth in joy, dear friends. And as you do, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, At the Heart of Christmas is Joy part of our current sermon series all about the heart of Christmas. It was recorded during our December the 17th service of worship at East Congregational Church. By the way, we would like to invite you to join us in person for worship during this Christmas season. We come together every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord, New Hampshire, and in one of our favorite services of the year, we'll be gathering together for a candlelight service of worship and celebration on Christmas Eve, beginning at 6 p.m. We would love it if you could celebrate with us. For now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. As always, I thank you for listening today. And until next time, especially in this sacred season of Advent and Christmas, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.